Well, I want to I share with you from um, the book of 1 Corinthians today. You know, it's summer, and uh, I don't know if you've been to a wedding, but, you know, the time of June and July and August, there's always a lot of weddings, and, um, and the, you know, love is kind of in the season, and I came across this. I, I thought this was great, because if you're wondering what love is, there were, there were some children that were asked, you know, what, what is love, and, and uh, what does it mean for a husband and wife to be together, and all of these kind of things. Well, here's what some kids said about Love. Here's Michelle. She's nine years old, and she said, The person is thinking, Yeah, I really do love him, but I hope he showers at least once a week. <laughs> Randy, eight years old, no, he's a, he's a wise one. Man, you, you may want to listen to this. Be a good kisser. <laughs> it might make your wife forget you never take out the garbage. <laughs> Here's a little girl, five years old. Love is when a girl puts on perfume and a boy puts on shaving cologne and then they go out and smell each other. <laughs> Here's a little girl. Love is when you tell a guy you like his shirt, then he wears it every day. <laughs> Here's Ava. She's eight. Some wisdom here. One of you should know how to write a check because even if you have tons of love, there's still going to be a lot of bills. <laughs> and we all say amen to that, you know. And here's a little, this, this is probably the wisest of all. And again, this is for the men. Little boy Teddy says, tell your wife she looks pretty, even if she looks like a truck. <laughs> so there, there's some wisdom about, about love, you know. Yeah. Well, you know, when we think about love and, and weddings, you, you probably know. What, what's one of the most um, read scriptures at, at weddings? Yeah, 1 Corinthians 13. And um, while we, we often think, and that's read at weddings, and we often think about that as, as like love in a, in a family, um, I mean, we all know that when, you know, this is Corinthians, this was really written like to us. Not necessarily families, husband and wives, although it applies in, in that, but it's to us. It, it's to brothers and sisters who live together in community in a, in a church. And it's how we ought to be treating one another, how, how I should treat you and you should treat me and, and we should treat each other. Um, really, even outside of the church, right? Th this is love. This is love. And, and um, there's just so much wisdom here. And I, I just wanted to kind of walk through some of this passage today to, to give you some encouragement and, and reminders. Here's the thing, you know, the, these kind of sermons like today, I'm not going to teach you anything new. I'm not going to tell you anything you don't know. But I just hope to remind you of a few things that, that we already know and, and we just need to put in practice. Um, let me read a few of these verses. This is, again, 1 Corinthians 13, the first few verses. And now I will show you the most excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And if I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. Now, these first few verses, verses 1 through 3, 
Um, I, I'm just going to sum this up like this because this is, is really, it's about, um, you know, what are you most proud of in life? What are you most proud of? And Paul would say this, if, if love isn't attached to it, if love's not part of it, it it's, really, it's really meaningless. It's nothing without love. You know, he goes through and, he, and he's talking about talents and prophecy and, and giving and there's all of this stuff. But he's like, you know, if you don't have love, it's, it's, it's nothing. And, you know, all of us, we have, we have gifts and we have talents and, and we have things, we have accomplishments but, you know, none of those things are, are to come back. It's not like a mirror that reflects back on us that's like, look at me or see what I did. It's always for the, for the care and for the love and, and for the building of the, the community and for the building of the kingdom of God. Without love, those things are nothing. Now, the next few verses as, as we go in, starting at v- verse 4, these are some of the qualities of love. And, and um, the first couple are about what love is. Verse 4 says, love is patient, love is kind. Love is patient, and love is kind. Patience. I'm not going to ask how many people need help in that. Love is patient. But you know the, the patience, because when we hear patience, we often think about like, um, okay, I got in the wrong line at, you know, at the grocery store, and you know, the checkout person has to ask how everybody's kids and grandkids are, and you're like, oh, come on, or who you got behind, you know, in traffic, and, and we all understand that kind of patience, but, but, but I don't think that's the patience. I mean, sure, that, that's helpful, but in, in the church context and in, in the context of the body believers, when, when Paul is saying love is patient and love is kind, love is patient, it's talking about the kind of patience we have with each other because... Um, you know, not everybody's in the same place on this journey of, 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 of the kingdom, the, the journey of where we're going. I mean, I mean, people are in different places and in different levels of maturity. And he's telling us in the, in the church, be patient with each other. You know, have grace towards each other. Give people the benefit of the doubt. Give the person a break. Um, you know, don't, don't kind of yell backwards, what's your problem? We have patience. Um, we have patience. I, I believe that, you know, and the Bible teaches us, one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to convict, right? And, and, um, but so often that's what we want our job to be, is to convict and to judge and to whatever. And, to, and, and what we need to do is, is be patient with people. Um, you know, I, I think a healthy church is the kind of church where we have people who, who come in our doors and they're part of our family and, and they, have, they really have no idea what's going on. I mean, they're kind of square one and they don't know many of the Bible stories and, and they don't kind of, you know, they're figuring out what's going on. Wonderful. Praise the Lord. I mean, we, we don't want people to, to feel uncomfortable that they're coming in and, and again, they're, they're learning and then we have people on, on the opposite end of the journey and, and they're saints and they, and they know so much and, and really what has to happen with all of that is patience for each other. Um, we, we had a, a guy at our church, they, they started coming to our church. His name was Chris and his wife is Kim. I might have told you this story sometime when I, when I was here before. And uh, you know how they started coming to church? Because, um, well, it was just kind of an encounter that I'd had with them. I kind of, 
you know, something that happened in the community, and I got to know them, and I started inviting them to church, and, and they, started, they started coming to church, and they had no church background, and I had thought, well, if we could just, if we could just get it, we're going to get them into a Sunday school class or a small group, and, and that'll help them, and then I realized real quick, you know, we, we actually need like a remedial thing to prepare people to get into a Sunday school class, you know, because they, they weren't even ready for that, and but Chris would come in, and they'd come in with their family, and, and they'd sit in the back, and Chris, you know, he'd always wave every Sunday, you know, he'd just wave, he was happy to be in church, and, and every Sunday, he would come up to the front, and he'd, you know, after church was over, Pastor Dave, man, I'm glad to be in. People are so nice here. And, and you know, what I'd learned about Chris is, you know, he, he, you know, a little bit of Chris went a long way, we'll, we'll just say. But people loved him and his family. People loved them. And, um, and he, I, I remember one Sunday, at the end of the message, I, I'd given this, you know, yeah, how, how to become a Christian, you know, ABC, admit we're sinners. B, believe in Jesus. C, confess your sins. And, you know, if anybody would like to do this, you know, pray along with me and raise your hand. He raised his hand. He was back there, you know, just waving, wanted to get my attention. He came up afterward. I prayed that prayer, Pastor. I, I prayed it. I prayed I'm a Christian, right? And, and, um, and, but our people were so good to Chris. Chris came up one Sunday and, um, you know, he's learning. He's, he's on this journey and just kind of starting it. And he came up. He said, wow, pastor, that was one H-E double hockey stick of a sermon, you know. <laughs> he said a little different. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that in church, you know. And I'm like, you know, well, the first time anybody said that to me, <laughs> you know, kind of that way. But he's learned, right? And our people just love them. The church just loved them. You know what that is? patient. Love is patient. Love is patient. And, and um, I was just, again, so glad for, it wasn't the pastor. It, it, was a, it, was, it was a church. It was a congregation who just said, we love people and we're patient with people. And, um, you know, some of, the, some of the stories that are heartbreaking are when people come to churches and, um, and we're impatient with them. And um, the hurt that comes along with that. And like I said, we can trust the Holy Spirit. When we preach scripture and we preach truth and, and the Holy Spirit is this wonderful thing who says, hey, you know what? I, I got this. I'm working in people's hearts and I'm working in their souls. Just keep loving and keep being true and faithful and, and, and I'll do my job. But those people who have been treated impatiently, who are like, I, I'm not sure, I want much to do with the church anymore. Those kind of people who treat me, because love is patient. Now, the next part, love is kind. You know, because patient, I think, is when we're patient, we're, we're sort of holding back. We're, you know, we're, um, eh, how else do we say that? You know, we're, we're, we restrain ourselves. But love is kind is giving, and it's, and it's, and it's outstretched, and it's what we do for people, you know, because kind, and, and love is kind. Love is kind is reaching out, and love is kind is giving, and it's generous. Love is patient, and love is kind. I think those two things very much go together. Love is patient, and love is kind. Then it, it, it moves into to this, because these are the things that love is not. Um. It says, it does not envy, 
It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered, and it keeps no records of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Now, here's all these knots. It says, it, is, um, it does not boast. Or, no, let me back up. I missed one. It does not envy. You know, another way to say that is, is love is not jealous. Love is not jealous. And that, that's a good reminder. You know, jealous is, is I want what you have. Um, sometimes love is, jealousy is, is like, not only do I want what you have, I don't want you to have what you have because I don't like it, you know? Oh, you got to go where? I don't like that because I didn't get to go there. You have what? But love, love is not jealous. And in, and in church circles, you know, sometimes it isn't just possessions or experiences, but maybe it's where we serve in the church or opportunities or recognition. And again, we, we, we rejoice with one another. Um, love is not jealous. It says it does not envy. It does not boast. It does not boast. We know what that is. You know, it's bragging. But the context of, of, of Corinthians, you know, if you, if you know the story of this church, oh, they were very much about boasting. I mean, it was, it was this kind of pride-centered place, and, and that was one of the, um, the things that Paul was really concerned about them, because everybody wanted to, to kind of, um, you know, really brag on themselves. I mean, imagine if we had testimony time, and, and I'm like, you know, does anybody have something they, they want to share, and someone stands up, oh, pastor, I got something I want to share. You know, I was praying last night, I was praying last night, it was about three in the morning, because I pray all night. I do. I pray all night. Many times a week, you know, and, and during my prayer time, I just, you know, and they kind of go on, and you're just like, oh, okay, and then somebody hears like, oh, you know, I got to top that, and, and they're like, oh, pastor, I got testimony. You know, the Lord taught me something this week when I, when I read all of the New Testament. I read it all, all, which I do every week, and and then someone's like, oh, they get up. Oh, I got one. I, I wasn't reading the New Testament this week because I haven't memorized. <laughs> and I was reciting it, you know. And, and, you know, if you're part of that, when you just roll your eyes like, oh, you know, what is this about? What is it? It's just, again, it's just about bringing attention to yourself. And it's about, you know, it's about boasting. And, and, and again, if you know Corinthians, really, that, this is what all of that was about. That, that first part about the client, Paul's like, you know what? You're doing all these things for attention. You're doing all these things out of selfishness. I mean, your motive is not for, for God or for anybody else. It's all about yourself. You're just clanging symbols because there's no love. Love doesn't boast. No, is there anything wrong with praying for someone? I think testimonies are wonderful. I mean, I, th I think that sometimes it's in the stories that we hear from people that we're encouraged and that we learn. But we all have heard those things where it's like, you know, are, are they really trying to help us or do they, they just want to talk about themselves? Love does not boast. Love does not boast. It goes on. It is not proud. That's, again, it is not rude. It is not self-seeking. I don't think we need to go. It is not easily angered. It is not easily angered. 
Um, yeah, we need to hear that one. There's some people that even take pride in, in the anger that they have. I'm just standing up for the truth. You know, I heard someone once say, I don't know if this applies, but, you know, if you're a jerk for Jesus, you're still a jerk. (laughs) (laughs) And it is not, but I I would, let let me say this though, okay? Let me kind of go in a little with with the anger part. Because we all find ourselves at times where, Maybe we're a little short-tempered or, or it's like, you know, what's going on? Maybe that's not our, our kind of who we are. And, but it can be a warning sign. It can be one of those things, kind of like pain. You know, your body, when you experience pain, it's like something's wrong. Check this out. And I, I, I often think like the, the anger or the, the, the shortage of patience or some of these things that comes and we, and we need to stop and we're like, is, some, is something going on? What, what am I... Because whether it's fatigue or grief or there can be many things in our life and, and, it, and it comes out in certain ways. And, and again, just, you know, to say, oh, well, I shouldn't be that way. And let me just say a little prayer. God, help me, you know, not be angry. There might be something a little more that God might need to deal with in our lives. And, um, you know, it's no fun. Well, you know, I started to say, you know. Someone comes, we don't all need to be the, hey, you're a little short-tempered. You might want to, you know, pointing those things out. But we all have friends or people that we love, spouses, or, and, and hey, you know, let's, are, are you doing okay? Is there something that I've just noticed, whether it's things. But, but that easily anger can be something that helps us know that there might be something deeper we need to deal with. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Wow, this is a tough one, friends. This is a tough one. Love forgives. Um, keeping no record of wrongs. There's probably for all of us, there are certain stories that we tell, we tell others, and we, and we tell ourselves in our minds, and we, and we need to stop. We need to let, we need to let them go. Um. You know, when when my kids were little, I I, I coached my daughter in softball and and uh, coached my son in baseball and and you know we had we had the best times. My son, <laughs> you know, neither one of my kids were like great athletes. Okay, um, and my son was he was he was you know not big and husky, but he was one of the taller kids. But he was just not the most athletic, you know. But he was a fun kid. He always had a smile on his face. And and in baseball. I was coaching his team, and the way we, we, um, the way we did things in our small town was the coaches would get together, and there'd just be this list of, of the kids, and, and then we'd have a draft. And, and so they didn't try out or anything. It was just a, a list of kids. And if you knew some of them, oh, this kid, or maybe I want to avoid them, or, you know, whatever. And, um, and then there were ways, you know, like your coach's kid, like I didn't have to draft my kid, or if I had assistant coach, and, and I did. His name was Eric, and his son was on the team. And so there were different ways. Well, anyway, we get together with the draft, and, and the guy that was in charge of the league, his name was Jim. And, um, and I don't know how else to say it. Jim cheated. He did. And, and I called him out on it. I mean, we're there as coaches, and I'm like, Jim, you know what? Because you, you, Jim would show up, and he'd, he'd only need to draft one or two kids. You know, he'd have a dozen. I'm like, Jim, how can you already have a dozen kids on your team? How does this work? Well, just, and I'm like, you cheat. 
and, and I'm not smart enough to catch you, but I know you're doing it. And he, he just, well, you know, get a little smarter and maybe, you can, maybe you can, but you can't catch me. And so, you know, Jim pretty much had his team. And, and I thought, okay, here's what, here's what we're going to do. You know, I may not get the best athletes on my team, but we're going to have a lot of fun. This is, you know, we're going to be the team that just has more fun than anybody else. And, and everything's going to be okay. And, and, it, and it's all going to be all right. You know, they're just, we're just going to make it fun. Well, I was a little naive. What I didn't realize, it's no, it's no fun to just lose and lose and lose. You know, you, get, you know the Disney movies like Mighty Ducks and all that stuff? That's not real life, okay? It's not. You can't, you know, you can't have fun. If a kid can't catch or hit, you know, no amount of fun, like, changes that. <laughs> they still can hit, you know? And uh, so anyway, we weren't very good, but we're trying to have fun. Well, we're playing Jim's team. And these kids, oh, my goodness, I mean... You know, and this is junior little league. This isn't even little league. This is junior little league. So they're, you know, they're younger. Well, my goodness, they're, Jim's team is just beating us up. He's got kids. They're, they're hitting the ball. They're hitting the fence. And they're like second graders. Well, they're supposed to be. This one kid had facial hair, you know. And, uh, yeah, it's like, what's that? You're, you're a men's clothing kid. And, uh, oh, they're just beating us. Well, I thought we had a, you know, because we had talked about this in our meeting, we had a rule that once you'd, you'd scored six runs, you, you know, you, you switch up, keep the game moving and everything. Well, Jim's team, they got six runs on it. We don't even have an out on them. They got, you know, they got kids on base. They've got six runs. We don't even have an out. And I'm in the dugout, and I yell down to the umpire. I'm like, hey, Bob, you know, that's six runs. Let's you know, let's switch things up. He's like, oh, yeah, okay. And he yelled down to Jim, you know, he's on third base. Hey, we're switching this up. And Jim's like, no, no. So I, I walk down the home plate. Jim comes down and uh, I'm like, hey, that's six runs. Let's just keep the game moving. Let's switch it up. And, and he's like, no, no, get us out. And I'm like, Jim, you know, are you just going to beat on us all night? I mean, my goodness. And he's like, you know, well, get better and get some outs and blah, blah, blah. And, and it, 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 you know, the umpire, you know, which is kind of funny, Bob, and he was a friend. Bob had a short trigger, and he was like, oh, settle down, everyone. It's like Bob's always, you know, just, but he's like, just keep playing, keep playing. So we play, and um, who knows how bad they beat us. It doesn't matter. But, um, later that week, well, it was Sunday, Sunday, I come to church and, and, um, and I'm over here just talking to some people I know about where you, you're sitting, Mike, there was this guy, Roy, Roy always sat over there and, and he said, Hey, how's your week, pastor? And I said, Oh, fine. You know, he's like, how's baseball? <laughs> and I said, well, you know, but we lost all the time. I'm like, yeah, you know, we're not very good. He goes, Yeah. Heard you had an interesting game the other night. And I'm like, really? Yeah. He goes, I work with Jim. Oh. He said, yeah, you cussed him out the other night. <laughs> well, you're, I said, what? He goes, yeah. He said, you got really mad at him and you cussed him out. And I said, Roy, that did not happen. And he goes, I know, I know, pastor. I know. 
He goes, I've known you for a long time. I know. And I told Jim, I said, Jim, I don't believe you. He goes, Dave's my friend. Dave's my pastor. And he would never do that. I don't, I don't believe what you're saying. You need to stop saying that. And um, I'm like, well, I, Roy, I mean, you know, they were beating us and I don't, but I did not, I know that pastor, don't worry about it. And uh, well, you could imagine how much that bothered me. I'm living in a small town and I get to stewing about that. And I'm like, who all is Jim telling this? You know, who's he telling? How's he going around? And, and, and am I going to be known as um, Dave, the pastor that cusses people out? You know, <laughs> I don't want that kind of, and, and, I'm, and I'm just stewing about it. And, and it bothers me. And um, so you know what I do about it? No, you've probably never done anything like this when things bother you. But because about, you know what I thought? I, I thought, I'm just, so I, every time someone, hey, so how's your summer? Good, good. Well, except for this one thing. You're not going to believe what happened to me. And I'd start telling the story. And then, do you know what he said about me? He said I cussed him out. Oh, he said that? Yeah, can you believe? Well, shame on him. I know, because it didn't happen. And well, I know that. I, and and I'd tell that story. I can't tell. I started telling that story. I'd hear and, and, um, and, you know, and I'm not real proud of this because, you know, there's, there's a couple of things. There's, there's part of me that wanted to tell that story. But then there was a part of me that every time I told it when I was done, I just feel kind of bad about myself. And, but what I wanted is I, I thought, hey, I, I'm going to get people to stick up for me. So if I tell this story to enough people and whatever, then they hear, well, Pastor Dave would never do anything like that. But here's the thing about when you, when you tell stories like this and when you start to do this, because it, it wasn't just about, hey, Dave wouldn't do this, but it was also about what a horrible person Jim is. Because you can't, you can't tell that story without kind of both of those, right? And so while I was trying to defend myself, I'm doing it by like, oh, isn't that Jim? He's just, he's just terrible. Well, God convicted me of this. And I, I'm just being straight up. The Lord, the Holy Spirit was just like, Dave, you stop this. I don't want you to tell that story anymore. You, you need to quit no more. And, and I asked, Lord, forgive me for this. Forgive me for tearing Jim down. Forgive me for... Um, and I, I was going to stop telling that story. And I remember one time in particular, I was in the, the kitchen at church, and, and I was just, you know, there were some people, and I was talking to this one person, and baseball came up, and, and um, you know, before I knew it, I was, I was launched into that story. And, and I'm not quite to the end, but I'm, I'm probably halfway through that story. And, and the Holy Spirit's like, Dave, we've talked about this. Stop it. And I just, well, you, you know, oh, you, ne never mind, never mind. It just, yeah, we lost the game, just never mind. And I just, I just stopped. You know, because love keeps no record of wrongs. And when we tell these stories, and you probably have your stories like I have mine, that every time we tell them, it just, it's like makes it new. And, and we don't, it's, it's hard to have healing, and it's hard to forgive others. It's hard to, to just, when we keep just telling it, 
And friends, I, I just, I really want to encourage you. There might be some stories. You just, you need to stop. Because I do know this. Once we stop telling them out loud, what will follow is we stop telling them over and over in our minds. And, and some healing and some forgiveness comes. He, so he, here's another part. So I was feeling bad about myself and about whatever, and, and I, I reached out to Jim, and, you know, we had some phone conversations, and we started talking. And, and I'm not going to tell you we, we became good friends or anything, but, you know, I did think like with Jim, man, you know, is everything okay? And, and he started telling me, you know, things weren't okay. Things were, things were not good at home. I mean, like in his family. He was having some problems at work. In fact, he started sharing with me. There was like all of this. And, and my heart starts breaking for him instead of being angry at him and whatever. You know what I kind of realized? And this was me. I thought, it seems like with Jim, job, family, on and on. It, it just seemed like, as he was telling, he was losing at everything. But he wasn't losing at one thing, and that was baseball. That was the play, and I think that might have been why that was so important to him. Um, that goes back, love is patient. And um, like I told you, I, I mean, it's not like we became good friends or anything, but I think as I began to understand him a little bit and began to listen a little more than just judge and talk about him, there were things I could pray for for Jim and be a little more understanding. And maybe some of those people that are in our life that are really pushing us, you know, if we got to know them a little better and listen and be more understanding, um, maybe God could open up some things that we could start praying for them. Love keeps no record of, of wrongs. Then it goes on. It doesn't delight in evil, but always rejoices in the truth. It always protects. Let me just stop there. Always protects. This is us. Love protects. Love protects each other. Again, we don't, we don't tear one another down. We, we protect each other because we love. Always trusts. Always hopes. Always persevere. Always trusts. Always. You know, that's the thing about trust. Um, I don't get everything right. But, but I will tell you this. I mean, because I, I want to trust people. And when people tell me things, I believe them. And, and if that means that I'm going to get things wrong and probably whatever, but, but I, I just don't want to be the kind of person that's always, you know, well, I don't believe that. And, oh, I, I'm going to trust you. And you know what? If, if somebody leads me wrong, oh, well. But I don't want to get to that part or that place in my life where I don't trust people and I don't hope. Always hopes. Here's what's going to happen. If you always hope, you're going to be disappointed. And you're going to be let down. But that first word in that kind of always, um, not some of the time, not once in a while. Always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Do you believe that? I think I do. Love never fails. You know, th these aren't the kind of things, it's not the short term where it's like, okay, I got this situation and I'm going to love and I'm going to love for the next week and then everything's going to be better. It's not always like that, friends. 
Sometimes it's, it's months and it's years. Sometimes it's generations. But love never fails. And I want to encourage you today to just, for in all of these, don't give up. Don't become impatient. Don't get discouraged. Love never fails. And in your situation, this, this is truth. It's not Dave telling you. It's the word of God. Can I pray for you this morning? Would you, would you bow your heads with me? And I'd just like to take a, a little bit of time to, to pray together. Father, we, we, um, we pray that your spirit would speak to us. May your Holy Spirit move and are there those places and situations, Lord, where we just need to show your love a little more? your spirit speak to our hearts we're just going to take a couple of moments and you know if there's anybody that would like to come and pray um, I just invite you you can get up from where you are and come down and and, um, maybe give something to the Lord a situation or ask for his presence we'll just spend a couple of moments God, thank you for being patient with us. And your word tells us, while we were sinners, while we were enemies against you, you sent your son Jesus to die for us. You didn't wait till we had everything cleaned up. You didn't wait till we had everything figured out. You came to us, Lord, when we didn't deserve it. Thank you for that grace. Lord, Help us to to walk with that same grace and give that same grace to others. I pray that you'd help us within our families and within our church to just be the loving people that um, that you desire us to be. And God, um, in your word, you tell us that you don't just point at us and say, do this, but you give us your Holy Spirit. You fill our hearts with you, God, that empowers us and strengthens us to live obediently to the way you ask us to be. So would your spirit, Lord, strengthen us. Give us compassion. Give us kindness, patience, hope, trust. Help us to forgive. Lord, do that for us today. For some of us, be, be our reminder as we, as we once again maybe tell that story and we need to stop. Remind us. You're good to us, God. I thank you for this 
this church and this congregation and, and the spirit that is here and the love that we have for one another. Thank you so much, Lord. This is so precious. It's a gift. And we're so thankful. So God, we want to walk in your ways and we want to follow after you. And we praise your holy name. And it's in Jesus' name we pray.